Ed always told me it didn't matter how good of a guy you are, the number of people at your funeral would depend on what the weather was like that day. <laughs> if it was bad weather, they wouldn't show up. If it was good weather, they probably wouldn't show up. He didn't anticipate this, but I have a feeling that this is the kind of thing he would have liked. This is exactly what he would have wanted. My first memory of Ed uh, was also my first time in a church service. It was at your ordination, Mike, the first time I ever met him, and first, first time I'd been in any kind of worship service at all. And the first thing he said to me as he held the door open as I walked in, he said, sit down, shut up, and you may learn something. Uh, probably surprised you to know that he, doesn't, he never remembered that. He said, I don't remember saying that. I was like, well, of course you don't. Uh, you wouldn't remember that. That's all right. Uh, my relationship with Ed moved mostly seamlessly uh, through acquaintance and friendship, uh, mentor, co-worker, pastor, and I even got to be a caregiver at times as he cared for me. That covers a lot of seasons. And that covers a lot of life. And, and I, I can't tell you it was all easy. There were times it was strained. But there was always a lot of grace from both of us. And more than the grace that we could give each other, we had both been recipients of amazing grace through Jesus Christ. And together we, we shared that. I once made a comment to him. I, he had... Made, something, made some kind of snarky comment. That was unusual. Uh, but he made some kind of snarky comment. And I said, you need to be nice to me. You don't know what I might say at your funeral. And he came back uh, the next day and he said, what makes you think you're doing my funeral? And I said, well, it just seems like I'll... He says, no, I've already got that taken care of. And he had, he had a prearrangement. And I guess I outlived that guy. Uh, and, uh, and so I, uh, I get to be here by default, which is the sweetest victory of all. And it is an honor to say a few words on my friend's behalf. Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8 uh, is one I've used at a lot of funerals. Dina, I used it at your father's funeral. There was no more appropriate words then, and I don't think there's any more appropriate words now. Uh, as we think of the passing of a friend, a mentor, and a man who taught me much, and a man who provided me with opportunities to serve in different ways and always encouraged me to do a little bit more and to give a little bit more. Paul begins in verse 6, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. I think there's much we can see of our friend in Paul's words here. For one, we can see how Ed poured himself out. You hear that in Paul's first words. He says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. Uh, for decades, the apostle had poured himself into his work, but there came a time when he was being poured out. I think we all feel that with the gray hairs and the wrinkles and the aches and pains that we experience. And we saw that in Ed, a man who had poured himself into so much, and eventually he was being poured out. And there was so much that others had to do for him at that point. Mike shared a few thoughts with me. He wrote, I had a complicated and difficult relationship with my dad in the early years, but over the years I've grown in my appreciation for the many good ways he has impacted my life. I want to thank him for five things. And I think these are five things that Ed poured himself into. Uh, he poured himself into his authentic faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, his decision to follow Jesus has impacted at least four generations of your family 
And that is a, a real decision. That is a real impact. Uh, another thing he poured himself into is his respect for Scripture. Uh, Ed was a student of Scripture his whole life. And he had this wonderful desire to put the Word of God in the hands of common people. And uh, did that through much through the Thompson chain and sharing that not just here, but all over the world and in Nigeria especially. Uh, I, I do remember sitting down with him also and getting the Thompson chain reference lessons and, and then passing those on to others. The third thing he poured himself into was his passion for preaching. Um, Mike has a quote from somebody here that says, Ed Nichols' preaching lacked tact, but he made up for it in his bluntness. Uh, that's <laughs> definitely true. And I could just add, one of my cherished things that I got to do was get to share him with other churches. Uh, I was serving at the Kemp Church of Christ, which is an acapella church. And they needed someone to come talk about missions. I said, you can't do better than Ed Nichols. And so Ed came and shared one night. Now, let me tell you how rare that is. The number of people who have spoken at that church who are not from a Church of Christ background is probably two. One me, and the other one being Ed. And uh, I remember when he got done that night, our most crotchety old stick-in-the-mud elder who... You know, everything had to be done his way. He went up to Ed and said, you can come back anytime. And he did. They, they absolutely loved him. In fact, the man who, who dug the grave today is an elder at that church. Not the crotchety old one. He's the fun one. Uh, don't tell him I said he was fun, though. Uh, but also his, his generous heart is another thing he poured himself into. Dad taught me to give generously by the way he helped people in very practical ways. He taught others how to give generously. And also his willingness to do cross-cultural ministry, um, whether it's among, I tried to think of everything, Native Americans, uh, Zaire, the Congo, uh, Nigeria, um, right here, <laughs> different, uh, different people. And Mike had five different African men recently come to him and thank him for his father's influence, uh, which is wonderful. Um, one of my last big days with Ed, where I got to spend the whole day with him and enjoy it, uh, was, <laughs> was a, about a year and a half ago, I took him to see Bruce Parmenter. Um, Bruce was on hospice care, and we knew time was short, and Ed wanted to go see him. I said, when you're ready, you let me know, but make it quick. And we went up, and, and he visited Bruce one more time before he passed. Bruce had been Ed's youth minister. He baptized Ed, as I recall. It was unusual for me to be in the room, and I felt that at the time, because here was this man who had been an older influence in my life and a mentor and a friend, and I got to see the other side of that. I got to see his mentor and how he interacted with Bruce, um, a lifetime of shared ministry and respect and love. And I was blessed to give him one more day together. Uh, one of the last things Ed said, or that Bruce said as we were getting ready to leave, he said, well, well Ed, I guess this is probably it. I don't think I'll see you this side, but I'll see you on the other side. And, uh, and they, they prayed together, and, and it was just a beautiful thing. But I realized in that moment, it's not just about Ed pouring himself into or pouring himself out, but other people poured themselves into him. And he, he chose those people carefully. And, and I, I think it's a wonderful thing to consider uh, just how we're being poured out, but who's, who are we allowing to pour into ourselves also? Um, and we saw that in Paul. Um, and we certainly saw that in Ed. Uh, we saw how Ed poured himself into others. Uh, we can't forget who Paul's writing to here. He's writing to Timothy, a young, younger preacher friend, a uh, friend who he kept, sent to Ephesus to set things right. And the one whom he writes at the beginning of the letter, fan into flames the gift that, of God that you've received from the laying on of my hands. Uh, he wants 
Paul wanted Timothy to give his best. He, he poured his life into, into Timothy so Timothy would succeed. And that's a gift that Ed gave many, but probably never better than through the way he poured himself into his grandkids, the way he poured himself into them. Sammy shared these words. I remember the day Grandpa taught me how to use my first Thompson Chain Reference Bible for kids at our dining room table in Mount Pulaski. I believe it was called a treasure Bible. I, I would almost imagine that just about everybody in Kansas has a treasure Bible now. Um, I had several uh, in my house. I also loved listening to Grandpa pray before meals when we would all gather together. He always had a way of bringing us back to the heart of the celebration, to God and to family. Maybe one of my favorite things was sitting near him in a worship service and hearing his booming singing voice. He would sing so loud, passionately, and sometimes off-key. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Sarah said, I remember my joyful holiday gatherings in his home over the years. The best, the best Christmas present I ever got as a kid was the year he and Grandma decided to give our Christmas present money to a family that had next to nothing. He knew we would get all the toys anyway, get plenty of toys anyway, and he wanted to get us something even better. He wanted to teach us the real joy of giving. He only did this once, I remember, but it has stayed with me all these years. There's not a single, there's not a holiday season that goes by that I do not think of the rare beauty of that gift. Paul says in verse 7, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Those are all sports metaphors, by the way. Even if you know we, we get that with the I've fought the good fight, it's about wrestling, I've finished the race, it's about running. But even I have kept the faith, that's a sports metaphor. It means I played by the rules, I did not foul out. I don't think Ed would say that he never fouled. <laughs> I think he would admit to a few fouls, uh, and he would acknowledge his need for grace. Like all of us, even Paul, he relied on the grace of God for salvation. And because of that, we, we can also point to how Ed looked forward to our shared reward. Uh, Paul realizes his time is short, and he realizes that he's looking ahead. He's, he's looking forward to what's next. In verse 8, he writes, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Uh, you notice Paul doesn't make this about himself and who he is. It, he talks about what we all share. The crown isn't just for him because he was an apostle or a preacher or a missionary or, or maybe even because he'd, he'd been a good grandpa, you know, a, a wonderful example. It's because of what Jesus did for him, what he did for us all, uh, and to all who have loved his appearing. Ed gladly shared his reward with everyone, and again, especially his family. Quoting from Sammy again, I am so thankful for Grandpa and Grandma's decision to follow God wherever it would take them, even to Africa. Their example means a lot, and I think about, I think about their courage and bravery often. My parents' lives and my life wouldn't be the same if they hadn't made that choice. I'm thankful for their faithfulness. I'm thankful for Grandpa's heart for those in need. He could be rough around the edges, but people knew he loved them even if he had a hard time saying it. And then Sarah writes this, When I see his four sons today, I see Grandpa's own unique life and the legacy of Jesus Christ shining through each of them. I know one son for his gift of carpentry, and I'm thankful for his skilled handiwork all over my house. Dave is a builder, like his father. I know one son for his gift of singing. I hear echoes of Grandpa's booming voice, and, and good keys, Mark, uh, when I hear Mark singing beautifully. 
I know one son for his gift of generosity. Steve has always been a joyful giver and always looking for opportunities to bestow gifts on me and my children. And I know one son for his gift of teaching and serving. Mike truly has the heart of a preacher and pastor. One of the, uh, one of the earliest lessons I remember Ed teaching me had to do with our reward. And he was commenting on the song, Will There Be Any Stars in My Crown? It's your favorite song, isn't it, Gerald? Will There Be Any Stars in My Crown? And Ed said, it's just silly. Why would anyone need stars in their crown? Why would anyone need crowns? Why do we even have that? And he'd come to the conclusion that the stars in our crowns are the people we bring with us, the people who we influence, the people we share the gospel with, people we pour ourselves into, people we introduce to our Savior and share our reward with. Will there be any stars in my crown? I think so. I think the Apostle Paul would say, not only for us, not for us only, but also for all who have loved his appearing. When I first came back to Kansas, Ed was still making some regular trips to Nigeria at that time. And uh, he was head to Africa and he would uh, spend months, you know, planning those trips. Tell me what was going on. And then the last few weeks just was, uh, you know, getting everything ready and planning and preparing. He'd stop by the office all the time, tell me what he was going to be doing, where he was going to be going. And, and, and then he would tell me things that I needed to do, uh, people I needed to check in on, things I needed to do, stuff I, I needed to take care of. And then he would leave. And when we'd come back a few weeks later, it'd be like a whirlwind just came into the room, you know, and he'd tell me everything that had happened. And, and then he'd start to complain just, just a little bit. Uh, well, you could have done this or you could have done that, you know, and he'd tell me what I needed to do and, and how I could have done things better. And I remember finally saying to him one day, because I felt like I could, I said, Ed, every time you leave, I hate to see you go. Every time you come back, I wonder when you're going to leave again. <laughs> 2 Timothy is Paul's last letter. 1 Thessalonians is, is likely his first letter. And by the time he writes to Timothy, he's an older man, his, his outlook has changed, his, his view of what's next is, a, is very different, but his hope is still certain, and his hope is still centered on Christ. There was a time in Paul's life when this was his hope. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3-18. through 18. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. You know, for a time, Paul's hope was to live to see the return of Christ. And there came a time when Paul's hope was going home and receiving his crown and his reward. But whatever the hope was, the focus was on Jesus. Whatever else Ed Nichols looked forward to, whether it was trips to Africa, uh, whether it was times with family, he looked forward always to going home. And because of that, we can look forward to seeing him again. Every time you leave, I hate to see you go. <laughs> But I know one day you're coming back and we'll all be together. Let me take a moment and pray. And then you got one more song to sing. Let's pray first. Father, um, we thank you 
Thank you that we do not grieve as those who have no hope. It's not that we don't grieve. It's not that we don't feel the loss because we do. And we're going to miss Ed just terribly. But we grieve knowing that he is exactly where he has always wanted to be. He is with those that have gone on before. Lord, there is a celebration taking place right now. And so we can't help but feel the overflow of that as we share, as we laugh, as we sing. And Lord, as we remember. Father, we, we lay his body to rest in this place. And we trust his soul to the one who judges justly. Knowing that, knowing that, uh, that Ed trusted in your grace, your amazing grace. Knowing he claimed Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And knowing that you keep your promises perfectly. We thank you for the promises that have been kept to him and Janice. We thank you for those promises uh, that, are, that are now fulfilled and the faith that has become sight. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Christian spy.